Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is called Calvary 316. Uh, if you can tell, I'm not really under the weather, but I have lost my voice. Um, I will say up front that um, under different circumstances, we would have probably taken tonight's episode off. Uh, I've had just copious amounts of drainage and cough, and I have seen a doctor. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I feel feel fine. I've just lost my voice, um, which is hard to do a radio show when you're in some moments sounding like Batman, and then at other times your voice is squeaking like you're a 13-year-old. So you're going to have to bear with me tonight because uh, I have no idea. Creighton, you could say that earlier today it was very unlikely this was going to happen. So we're way we're further than where we were, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think we were going to do this. So I've, I've, I've just thrown it to Creighton without introducting the man that needs no introduction. Hello, I'm uh, Creighton. Happy, Hi, Mom. Happy New Year. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, well, I, I'm doing better than you. Yeah, well, I'm doing fine. <laughs> no big deal. I just, uh, again, it's a cross between a 13-year-old boy going through puberty and the Batman. You, are, uh, you sound like a 13-year-old who is trying to be Batman. Who's trying to be Batman. <laughs> Oh, I told you, you can't make me laugh. That's the number one thing we can't do is laugh because that sets a, a chain reaction of events here. Um, I'm joined in studio in addition to Creighton, the producer of the show. I'm joined by four of my dear brothers, my friends, um, joined by Nicholas Monty, Deal Daddy Derek, Spice Daddy, also known by his God-given name as Justin. I'm Batman. <laughs> Batman. Batman. <laughs> And uh, and Kyle Park and ha- Happy New Year, guys! Happy, Happy New Year. Year! How was your Christmas? How was New Year's? You guys spend time with family? Yeah, it's good. I got some hot sauce for Christmas. So. Did you really? Me what too? did you get? We should share, yeah. collaborate. <laughs> what did you get? I don't know. Some game we played. They just happened to have hot sauce in the game, and I got both <laughs> bottles. Nice. <laughs> so it was meant to be. It was meant to be. It Those were your. They were mine from the very beginning. God foreordained it. <laughs> You have Calvinist hot sauce? Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, how was, uh, how was Christmas with your kid and wife? Uh, good. Busy. Always busy time of the year with the kids, but good. Very enjoyable. Glad it's over. Get back into the regular swing, <laughs> of, the swing of things. Justin, when do you stop listening? When do you stop music? listening? Or Christmas music? Yeah. The day after Christmas. Exactly. Nice. But he's putting decorations back up in like a month. From what in I like know. a month. It's like a month. See, yeah. it's not my house, so I don't touch Christmas decorations. And I'm not really a decorating type of person. Well, I just like to enjoy the holiday and what it means because I love Jesus. Don't. Don't. <laughs> it's really true, though. He does love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a truth. Did you guys get the uh, – I didn't send out – I kind of went dark for a week. Um, but I, you know, I didn't communicate or send much out, but, um, uh, did you guys get the, the Calvinist clause yeah. Uh, yeah. image yeah. that I sent you guys yeah. that, you know, if, if, Everyone's if Calvin, what, what was it? Everyone's on the naughty list. Everyone's on the naughty list. That's the Calvinist clause. Uh, I like that. Which yeah, of course you would Creighton. Of course <laughs> you would like that. So listen, the way the show works in case you're new, get happy new year again to everyone. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your friends and family. Um, hope you spent time reflecting on the wonderful gift that God gave us. Um, I was telling my kids that the most, I think, Christmas-centric verse of the Bible is one of the most famous. <clears throat> That's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it's in the spirit of his gift that we give gifts to one another. And I hope you were able to take some time 
reflect on the real meaning of Christmas. And then also here at the new year to take an opportunity to evaluate. I think it's always important to take a moment to reflect back on the year. Uh, some of the, 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 the triumphs, some of the highs, but also take time to reflect on some of the lows, some of the lessons that you might be able to learn, and then take those things into the new year. Um, I'm not a big person looking backwards, but it's important to look backwards in order to appropriately have a, a, a correct perspective on looking towards a new year. And um, <clears throat> I'm not a big resolution guy at all. Um, I think resolutions are meant to fail. Um, but at the same time, reflections and uh, Lord, these are the areas that I need you to work on me. And I think these are the areas that you need to transform me and change me. And um, I need to submit to you. I think that's an appropriate and healthy, healthy thing. Uh, Creighton, the way, that, again, the way the show works is Creighton, the producer, introduces a topic. Um, he introduces that topic or passage of scripture or Bible story or character. It's my job to then turn that into a Bible study. This is completely unscripted. <clears throat> I have no idea what we're talking about. No one knows, but Creighton, these guys are joining me. They're here um, alongside to help me in that endeavor by asking questions, providing feedback, interjecting their own thoughts as the Holy Spirit leads them as well. Um, kind of a men's Bible study in, in some regard. Uh, we just live stream it. In addition to live streaming, again, uh, we go live 8 o'clock uh, every Wednesday night on uh, outlawradio.live, which is our YouTube channel, uh, or facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. We're live on both platforms. But we're basically recording a podcast and that the audio of tonight's episode will be will be posted tomorrow, Creighton, right? Some point yes, tomorrow. Tomorrow evening. And where where do we post our podcast? Uh, we post it on Google Pod- Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, because it's no longer it's iTunes. It's like called podcasting. I don't know. And what then it's Spotify. Called. So the big three are Apple, Google, and Spotify. And so uh, you we can post find- on all of those and they'll be up. Either uh, I normally post them tomorrow night, which means they're probably up the night after that or the so, morning after that. So, and, and again, you can go to any of those platforms and just search Outlaw Radio mm-hmm. um, or the Outlaw Radio Show, and you should be able to find this. If not, um, the show website is outlawradio.org, and there are quick links, um, not just to all the podcasts, <coughs> but also to the links for the live stream. So, want to get that out. So, Crane introduces a topic, it's unscripted, we turn it into a Bible study. Now, before we do that, uh, I do want to talk about something because um, I, I mentioned in the, in the intro that on a normal night um, with a voice like this, uh, we would have punted um, and not have done a radio show because, again, I sound terrible. I, I feel fine. I sound uh, horrendous. Um, and so most of the time, because this is a talking show, um, I would not be doing this. Um, but tonight, I'm absolutely doing this because there's no other place I would want to be. Then uh, with my brothers at home um, serving Jesus, um, January 4th um, is a very loaded day for me. Um, last year on the 4th, um, I had been sick for about a week. I'd had COVID for about a week. had been to the doctor twice. had been told not to worry about it. Um, and then on the 4th uh, in the evening, um, I'm fuzzy on all the timeline, but um, I, I got up to use the restroom, fell down. My wife helped me get to the bathroom. And as I'm sitting there, I look down at my fingers, my toes, and they're blue. And I'm thinking, that's not good. <laughs> so I, I tell my wife something's seriously wrong. <clears throat> Please call 911. And so it was this night, a year ago, that the paramedics came to my house 
<clears throat> that they found me in the restroom, that they helped me out of my room, helped me onto the stretcher, led me out of my house. And that was the last time I was in my house until um, the middle of March. Um, that night um, set a series of events, set in, in a series of dominoes, effects. Um, I remember the events somewhat of that night, and then everything goes dark for me um, till the middle of February. Um, you can go back to past episodes. You can get the whole story of, of what took place. I was in a coma, <clears throat> full organ failure was going to die. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing because it's like on January 4th, um, you know, my life could have effectively ended then. Um, in fact, if I had not gotten up, so when the paramedics got to me, my oxygen was at 42 which is um, not just dangerously low, but I shouldn't have been conscious. Um, and if I had stayed in my bed, if I had not gotten up to use the restroom, um, I, Jessica would have found me in the morning dead. Um, I would have just died in my sleep, um, which is just a very heavy thing to think about. And just the, the, the frailty of life, um, it's heavy. Um, and to look back on that and to look back on the year that I've had, uh, a year that began tonight um, and, 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 from being in a coma, <clears throat> completely unaware of what's going on around me. So unaware that the next thing I could have known is that, boom, I would have been in glory. Completely unaware <clears throat> of what had taken place, or what my wife had been through, my kids and my family. Um, I, I went to sleep in one county. I woke up in downtown Atlanta. One Piedmont hospital woke up in a different hospital. <clears throat> I woke up. Uh, I, I went to sleep with the ability to talk. Woke up with a trach sticking out of my neck and no ability to communicate. <clears throat> went, to, went to sleep. I could move my arms, my legs. I woke up and I couldn't move anything. Um, and from that point forward has been this incredible long journey. <coughs> Excuse me. Long journey. Relearning how to breathe, which seems ironic right now when I'm struggling to, you know, <laughs> keep breath. Um have been checking my oxygen. I'm good. Don't worry. Um, you know, relearning how to breathe, relearning uh, how to be independent in the sense of being able to swallow, being able to eat food, uh, my lungs not needing a machine uh, to move up and down, um, getting to the point that, um, that I could stand up, um, not walk, but just stand um, and hug my wife. Uh, to talk again, to learn how to talk again, even without a valve, um, all before I even leave a hospital, to get home, to learn how to walk, to learn how to, to move my arms, to learn how to wipe my own butt, feed myself. Uh, it's been a long year, friends. Um, you know, I, I bumped into some friends. Nick was with me. We were having dinner on Monday night. Bumped into some friends at a restaurant, hadn't seen me, and they were just blown away. Blown away by, hey, you look wonderful. You know, I wasn't sure your arms were still working. And just, <clears throat> they had seen pictures of me in the hospital. And it was like, this seems like it had been an eternity, but it had only been several months. And like thinking back to where I was. <coughs> Excuse me. This is hard. Uh, where I was in September. Um, I bring all this up to say it's January 4th. And um, it's, a, it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. Um, you know, I've never understood, and I'll kind of throw this to you guys just a little bit. 
Um, I've never really understood or, um, you know, the idea of um, PTSD, you know, post-dramatic stress disorder. And, and I've only re- ever really thought of PTSD in the context of the military, you know, of, you know, that's, I think, how it's been mostly popularized in the, in the sense of, like, you know, soldiers that come home from war and, and they deal with lingering effects of the trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, the trauma um, that, that they experience you know, after the fact, um, I'm not trying to compare what I've gone through or like what this is like in any regard to like a soldier or like people that deal with really heavy things. But like for me, um, you know, I got sick. I started feeling bad on Saturday, you know, and Georgia was playing that night and it was like, here we go again. You know, like all these feelings and emotions started rushing back in. It's like, I woke up, I woke up, no kidding, Friday night, middle of the night, I woke up with a cough. And the immediate thought was, I'm going to die. There's no rationality to it. But it was this overwhelming, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm now beginning again a journey that I don't think I can make. Like to the point that, um, I got up to use the restroom in the middle of the night and on my way back to the bed, I took off my wedding ring. I set it on the counter because that was the first thing that happened when I got to the ER is they took off my wedding ring. And and it was only been recently that I've been able to put my wedding ring back on. It was like, well, I don't want them to cut this off. So I'm going to go out. And like, like there's no rationality to that. <clears throat> and yeah, I was sick Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. I did take a COVID test. <clears throat> I was negative. Talked to my doctor. He gave me an antibiotic for the drainage. I felt great. I just sound terrible. But like the flashback, the struggle, um, the date, you know, <clears throat> you know, how do you guys deal with trauma in your own life? Like, how have you dealt with it? I'm just, I'm asking for, I'm going to explain some of how I have, but how have you guys? I mean, the way that you're talking about it, I think is something that is like, everybody experiences to some extent, like, even with, with stuff with, with you, you know, I made the joke. I was on on the phone with my dad the day before Christmas Eve. Um, we went to go have a, a family breakfast or the day before the family breakfast. And I told him, I was like, hey, if you get any phone calls in the morning, don't call me this time and find somebody else. <laughs> you got you to give because, a little bit more context Because to the that. context of that is, the, is last year at Christmas Eve, I was at breakfast with, with the family, and I got a phone call from my dad saying, hey, um, Zach's sick. Uh, you're going to have to fill in for the Christmas Eve service today, right, right now. <laughs> and so, you know, the joke with him was, you know, if it comes up again, find somebody else this time. I'm not going to do it. But Call Chad. Yeah, the, whoever's next in line, go. Um but as far as like those those stresses and traumas go, I mean, like you were talking about PTSD, obviously a very serious thing. But you know, I would think that everybody, to some extent, experiences that feeling. You know, whether it's you know uh, a bad relationship from the past shows up again, all of a sudden you get you get all those flashbacks to those moments, all those terrible things that pop back up. Um, but when it's something that serious and that big, I think that you know. In your hindsight, you can look back and say, you know, praise God, he was in control. He performed a miracle and he saved my life, but he was in control, you know, 
when those things pop back up, you got to be willing to say, praise God, you're in control again. Um, mm. I don't need to be scared of, of what's going on or, or, you know, worrying about just the unknown because you already went through unknown and you came to the peace that was in God's control. There was a component of, of this Christmas where we, Jessica and I both were like, we're, we're running from it, <laughs> you know, like I wanted to do Christmas Eve. Like I, I really wanted, like I missed Christmas Eve and that's my son's birthday, but we, we love Christmas Eve with our church family. Mm-hmm. It's an important thing for us. We've been doing it for years and to not have that last year. And you know, what was worse is, so I was sick. Jessica still wanted to bring the kids to church and you guys had to have that hard conversation where there was like, Hey, you know, under the circumstances, we just think it would be smart for you to stay home, which was a smart decision because Jess had COVID too. You know, she wasn't feeling well. And by that point, like the whole family, we had no business going anywhere, but that was rough for my family. And so we wanted to do Christmas Eve, but it was like, that's kind of it. And then, so we were ready to leave. We were going to leave for the beach Sunday morning, Sunday morning, which was Christmas morning. And then just be gone all week, the whole week. And the closer we got to the date was like, well, you know, the kids did kind of miss out on Christmas last year, too. <laughs> so we gave them the option, like, hey, guys, what do y'all want to do? <clears throat> and they were like, well, we'd like to stay home for Christmas. It's like, that's fine. We're leaving Monday morning. So we did Christmas morning, and then, which was great. It was, it was we did everything the way that we wanted to do it the year before. I was going to introduce a new tradition. <clears throat> I was going to do fondue uh, on Christmas night with the kids. I had bought a fondue pot, had the recipes. None of that played out. None of that happened. <laughs> and so we were able to do that. That was great. It was redeeming. And, but then Monday morning, boom, we went to the beach. We were at the beach all week. But it's like you can't run from things. And that's like, for me, it was like the beach was great. It was like this is so foreign. I don't have to think about this. I, the last place I want to be is my, my home. I don't want to be sitting around the house. I just want to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> but then, like, you run from something, and then, and then it kind of sneaks up back up on you. And it's like, okay, well, I can't really run from it. You can't really ever hide from it. And so you come home and you have to face things. Um, And that's where it's like, if I could get any breath out of my mouth, we were doing Outlaw Radio tonight because I want to talk about how you deal with trauma, how you get over trauma, how you respect trauma. You can't avoid it. It's happened. You can't erase it. It took place. But, you know, we're told that Jesus heals the brokenhearted, that Jesus restores things that are traumatized. Now, PTSD is a real thing, man. I've been going through it in a very mild sense. It's real. It happens. It's genuine. Like, you go through things and and dates, smells, memories pop up out of nowhere. And you're like, boom, full flashback. You know, just getting closer to this time of year. I I started re-dreaming things that I had dreamed in a coma. I started having dreams every night that were those dreams that were so vivid and real. And it was like, I'd wake up in a panic. You know, did I just go back to sleep? Um, Just trippy. Like the way that the brain and the body and how it all functions. You know, Derek, I know just, uh, and same with you, Nick, I want you both. You're not going to escape it. (laughs) I know you both have gone through trauma. You've gone through stuff. Everybody does. Everybody has. How can you guys talk about some of the things maybe you did wrong? How the Lord's taught you to deal with it now? 
want to throw it your direction with your your life, your story. You don't have to get into details, but just we're talking about how we how we get over, how we cope, yeah, how we move forward, how we heal. Just soak in it. You need to address it head on. Don't run from it. Whether it's problems or insecurities or whatever it was that happened, you can't because you'll just keep running. So it is just, I think on things like I'll play it back through my head again and think on what happened, why it happened, but then I'll bring it to beforehand. How did I end up in that situation or any situation? And then now, how has it helped me now? Why did I have to go through that thing? Or yeah, so it was, it was bad, but so what? Like it could have been way worse. Like anything could be way worse. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, everything's relative to the individual, but at the end of the day, don't run from it. Give it to God and just sort through it. However it makes you feel, however it, whatever it makes you think on, think through those things. Like we have emotions for a reason. And so you're supposed to address everything and just give it up to God. But what about you, Nick? Mine, when I have PTSD in my form or whatever you want to call it, is all fear-based. It's a hundred percent, it's a hundred percent fear-based. So like if I get a feeling that reminds me of something that happened bad in my life, it's a hundred percent crap no 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 don't don't let this happen i don't is it want the this fear is it the fear that it might happen again it's or the fear that it's going to be the exact same as before gotcha kind of thing because it feels like it so why wouldn't it be it's like, like similar to me where it's like i get a cough i think i'm about to die yeah same as that way so like it's all fear driven and a lot of times if you let yourself if i let myself just dive into that I'm a very emotional person, so I'll just shut down. Like you, I'm like it's easy to tell. Like I will just escape into my own head and try to just mm. disappear and just blank. Try to forget or. So what do you what do you do no. to try knowing that knowing that that's your tendency? Like knowing that that's I, when I it have, goes wrong. That's that's where you don't want to be. Yeah. So what do you do to try to safeguard when when you start feeling that cloud come? What do you do to try to try to work through the that? The easiest answer for that to me is the truth is that I escaped from it. So if it happens again, I'm going to escape from it again because it wasn't strong enough to tear me down and beat me up and kill me. So if it's going to happen again, then I'm just going to grow stronger like I have before. So with that, I'm able to dismiss it in a certain sense because I have that thought like, hey, this is not going to – it's almost beat me, but it didn't beat me. So I'm now stronger and better so now that it's dealing with, no, I'm stronger than better than this. And it kind of is like, it, it, like I triumph myself with that PTSD a little bit. Like, nope, I survived. It's not that big of a deal. It's not happening again. Different circumstances, different stuff, like stuff like that. So like when you're, when you're getting that, that feeling, that cloud comes, that fear, that thoughts, it's in your head. You made the comment that sometimes you get, you, you end up getting, you get stuck in your own head. Yeah. Um, what do you do to try to safeguard? Because I think a lot of people listening to what you're saying completely sympathize and relate to that. Because thoughts are a weird thing, man. They start running. Oh, and they and keep they, going. And they keep going, and you get trapped in your own cycle. Um, I, you know, I've been dealing with that myself, just from a very, very practical sense. And it's like, like I got to a point where I told, I told Jessica, I said, hey, over the next two months, um, I, I have to just be brutally honest with you about what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, because I can't get trapped. Like, I can't. The only way that I can stop that run is to just bring someone else into it, you know? 
And in your own life, you in find... In my own life, I have found that with my wife. Too. Right, I yeah. I mean, with this, especially what I've dealt with, with having an ex-wife and stuff like that and going through what I went through. It's, it's a lot easier to bring someone in that understands that, that can be like, am I her? Or is, that the, is this the same situation? No, it's not. So a lot of the PTSD, when it comes about, is it's little things that I can think of that I can be like, you know what, I'm not in the same... I'm not in the same situation. I'm also saved by the grace of God now. Like, he has a lot to do with it. Um, I'm stronger as an individual because I've gone through it before, and I won't let that happen again because of that. Craig, you could hear me opening a uh, <laughs> lozenges. I, yeah. I most certainly could. You could? The mic picked yeah. that up. Craig, you, yes. you wanted to jump in on the conversation. Yeah. Um so I wanted to I wanted to push back on something you said, um, because you described you described going to the the bathroom what was it Friday night or whatever and feeling sick, and having a fear response as yeah. being irrational. Well, and I, mean, I don't, I, I don't think that I don't that's know. true. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> so here, let me explain why I want to push back on it. Okay, because um, the, I've I'm led somewhat of a posh life, but I also have some traumas and some anxieties that I have. And one of the ways that I deal with it is to rationalize it because it's, it's much harder to fight and deal with an irrational fear than a rational one. Right. Right. So if you're in there, if you're, you know, in your head and it's, you're freaked out about whatever it is and it's this larger than life like thing, it's a lot easier to deal with if you actually rationalize it and put it into the box that it deserves to be in. So when you were saying that your fear is irrational, that is both true and untrue because your fear is not irrational. You have a fear response because the last time you were in the situation that you're in currently now, you lost three months of your life. Like that is a very rational fear response, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the fear itself or the size of the fear itself is rational. I can totally, I can totally, no, I can totally take that. When I talk to my doctor, um, which, I mean, praise the Lord for a good doctor. Like, that man, uh, I didn't know him before any of this. And he was actually, interestingly enough, so I went to the doctor twice before I went to the hospital. Same clinic, this walk-in clinic. And um, <clears throat> I met with Dr. A. Well, when I went to the hospital, my wife, my mom saw how bad we were and was like, that next morning, took Jessica immediately to the doctor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and was not going to go see Dr. A. <laughs> um, so I was like, I want to see anybody else. So what happened, this guy, it was his first day at this clinic. Jessica was his first patient. <laughs> and when he heard the story of what was going on, uh, he threw the kitchen sink at her. And, uh, and I credit that man to saving my wife's life. Um, you know, what he did, he did for her what was not done for me. And, you know, he threw everything that you could throw at her, you know, and then some. Um, she got very sick, but wasn't hospitalized. And, and, and then so I needed to have a doctor when I, to be let out of the hospital. So I was like, Jessica, who was your doctor? That's my doctor. <laughs> um, and so I called him, you know, and I, I called him. And I made the comment, and this ties in with what you're saying. I said, I said Doc, I'm just probably being paranoid here. And he laughed. He goes, you have every right to be paranoid. Right. Because you spent three months in a hospital, in an ICU. You have every right 
to be a little paranoid. Um, you've earned that. Um, so I understand what you're saying. Like that, like when I'm saying an irrational fear, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like cough doesn't equate to death. Right. And that's, the- and even, and even in the history of my life, cough doesn't, there's been a lot, I would put it this way. There's been a lot more times I've gotten sick and been fine. Mm-hmm. Then I got sick and needed 10 weeks in the ICU. And so it's like the, a rational response to my body feeling ill should be like, yeah, I'm sick. It shouldn't be that immediate leap to I'm now going to be in the hospital tonight. I'll see you guys in March. <laughs> um, that's where I'm saying it. That becomes an irrational fear versus a rational one. A rational one's like, hey, I could be paranoid. Mm-hmm. But my, <laughs> excuse me, still paranoia, you know? Yeah. And what I'm just saying is that, is that the realizing that the initial, that the, the fear response your body has is not irrational is the way to then rationalize it so that you can say, well, I've been sick a thousand times in my life. I can move on. And this, and I'm, once again, I'm using you as an example, but that's how I, that's how I handle just the general stresses that make my mind spin on end all the time is um, by, by breaking it into its subsequent parts and rationalizing it. That's, you got anything that's to funny. add, Kyle? That's funny to me, Creighton, because what you're, what you're describing, the whole, like, um, going, like, rationalizing a fear, <clears throat> I've had, I'm not going to go into any specifics, but I've had things in my life that I've felt like are... Are, are things that are abnormal, you know, maybe uh, be a medical condition or a certain situation that happened at some point in it and legitimately feel like I might have been the only person that's ever been through anything like that in the history of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And another component to what I'm getting at is in knowing me a little bit. In my younger days, I was probably also one of the most controlling people that – that anybody could have met like was yeah. Creighton's balking at me right now was okay. I've gotten better is my point. So as I've gone through I'm these glad things, you've gotten better. Thank it's good you. that you've gotten better. Thank you. Thank you. No, I realized it was a problem and I, and I worked on it. So, but what I'm saying is like, as I've been through some of these, these quote unquote for me, extreme, extreme cases and things that I couldn't rationalize at the time, like why, am, why am I going through something where I have a random blood clot in my shoulder where I don't know if my arm is going to, fall off. Thanks a lot, Nick. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> story for another day. Yeah, um, it's, it's like Nick closing a computer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like closing a computer. Bringing it back. Um, no, but what I'm saying is like these days when something crazy starts to happen, I, I do everything I can to not rationalize it because I want to not try to put it in a box. I don't want to, I don't want to take it back into my head and make sure that, okay, I understand all the details of this and I can, I can figure out how to tackle this thing. These days for me, when those thoughts and those fears start popping back up, I go the opposite direction. I say, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to do my day to day and let that crap work itself out. Yeah. The opposite of what you're saying, but uh, maybe that's just, everybody deals with it differently in different, different situations, scenarios. You got anything, Justin? I mean, Y'all stories are. You gotta speak up. Can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, 
Yeah, I've had traumas in my life, but I mean, it's it's. I, I don't know. It's especially since COVID happened, you know, certain things. But it's just kind of, I've gone from trying to figure out why to just to be like, okay, just gonna be reactionary rather than preparatory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that that's helped. I mean, uh, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes. I think it's from uh, the magician's nephew. Is uh, said, whatever whatever you do, he'll make good of it. And uh, I've found that to be very uh, instructional in my life. Um, No matter what I do, no matter what I choose, even if it's, I hate saying the the wrong thing that God doesn't want me to do, he's still going to, some good is going to come out of, I can't, basically I can't mess up his plans. Yeah, we're all Calvinists. Uh And then uh, (laughs) when it comes down to it, baby. (laughs) But well, basically, you know, whatever happens, like even if it's something bad in my life, some good is going to come out of that. Um, and I was, I was listening to uh, uh, a little snippet of uh, Sonny from uh, the, the band P.O.D. He, he he does this uh, group called the Whosoever's. Yeah, and, I, I and, know of him, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he just put it out today, and I think it was today. I don't know. I was just listening to it. He's like, and he was kind of talking about the same kind Ryan of thing. Reese is part of yeah, that, Yeah, Ryan too. Reese and, and Sonny. Um, but he, he's basically saying... Because the Bible says that all things work together for good of those who follow Christ, right, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, no matter what bad happens, know that good's going to happen because God is good. Let me add one qualification to that because I think sometimes that passage gets so butchered. Right. God works all things for the good for those who love him. Those are called according to his right. purposes. How, why? Um, that doesn't mean good things are going to happen. It means you have no, you end up in heaven when it's all over. Right. Yeah. Like that's the end game. That's, like, the, that's end game. Yeah. the end game. The end game. That doesn't thing. mean that doesn't mean everything that's going on right now is going to be all good. Right. Yeah. Which sometimes we we you know we try to fall back on that as a crush. Like no, life stinks. We're in a fallen place. This is a pilgrim's progress. Right. It you might know. not end up as good something good here on earth, but in the end, we know in that all end, those things are going to end up with the glorification, glory to Jesus. In but right, right. Absolutely. But what, in essence, what he was saying though, is even when bad stuff happens, we have a tendency to say, why is God doing this to me? Right. The Job complex. The Job complex. Yeah. God is good. Just skip mm-hmm. out all the middle. Whether like you, everything. Wor- oh, sorry. Right. I didn't mean well, God, is, <laughs> God is good no matter what's happening to you. And, and, and once you realize that, once you, once you start thinking that way, it's, this is bad. I don't know what's happening, but I trust that God is good and his plan is going to work out. I mean, a lot of good. bad mistakes, even that you make in your life, like PTSD, if you're like, I'm going to react to this wrong, can still affect not even your end life and heaven stuff can still affect around the people around you mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, I, I always have this thing in my head, even if I make the wrong decision or I'm not doing something that's going to lead me for good, as long as it's leading someone else or two other people or whatever, someone else to Christ or to do something good, then I'm good with that. Like, I, I, you have to think about that in a little bit in my head when I'm dealing with stuff like that, too. It's like it, it doesn't matter how low I might get. At the end of this, it could help someone else. You know, I was, uh, I was listening to a guy talk about, you know, we, we sometimes place our relationship with God. <clears throat> we... we we, we place it as a covenantial relationship at the detriment of it being a loving relationship. And, Can and you explain the, those words? Yeah, okay. And the way that that works is like, okay, um, 
what is your relationship with God based on? Is it a covenant or is it love? And, and we'll gravitate most of the time. I've always heard it. Well, it's a covenant, you know, meaning, you know, it's, it's not predicated, not predicated on, on feeling or emotion. Um, it's not swayed. It's not fickle. It's founded problem with that. And while that's true and, and what's most glorious is it's based on God. It's a covenant based on his, his truthfulness, his faithfulness, his charity. But, but the Bible presents God as not a God of covenant, but a God of love. Like of all of the words that's used to actually define God, we're told in scriptures that God is love. So you can't, you can't take out covenant and, you can't put covenant in without love, and you can't have love without covenant, but, you, but, but the two coincide because God is love. And so just kind of going to what you're saying, Justin, and kind of tying that in, it's like, and, and how we relate with, with God, when bad things are coming, when bad things happen, we got to endure them. It's also coming through the prism of, the, of, of a loving father. And we don't have to revert back to, well, it's just the covenant. It's, you know, it's just, you know, no, no, there's... There is a loving God that's allowing them these things for a reason. And, and like, I look back on my life and what, what's happened to me over the last year. And it's like, it would be very easy to be hard and, and to be angry. It would be very easy to be like, you know, God, I can't believe you allowed this to happen. Even, even in the context of how I've come to, to conclude, you know, my, my, the purpose I think in it, and we've talked about this before, I've spoken about it before. I don't think this had anything to do with me at all. I gave my life to Jesus and I think there was a bunch of doctors and nurses and other people that needed to be reminded in our world in this COVID thing that there was a miracle working God. And so I gave my life to him. He's like, well, I'm just going to knock him down and raise him up. I'm going to take him to the edge and bring him back so people will know I'm here. And at that, I like you could, I could be angry. You know, it's like when they, the disciples bring the man born blind. You know, was it his sin, the sin of his parents? It's just it's not about sin. He's been born blind. He's been blind his whole life. Why? <laughs> so that the works of God might be revealed in him and Jesus heals him, right? That's all great for the guy that's been blind his whole life. You know, he's like, well, wait a second. I, if it had been my sin in utero, at least I have a causation. And if it had been my parents' sin, at least I have blame. In either of those two dynamics, I have a reason, an explanation it doesn't make it easier. It still sucks, but at least I have a why. You telling me I've been blind my whole life for for no reason other than you could heal me right now and the works of God might be revealed to me? Like, that sounds great, except for the, that guy. Because that's a big pill to swallow. And you really have to take a step back. It's like, well, well wait a second. You know, Lazarus... You want to talk about a guy that got a bad deal. He's friends with Jesus. He's best buddies with Jesus. And he gets sick. And his, sister, his sisters are like, Jesus, come take care of it. Jesus is like, I'll be there. Days go by. Lazarus gets sicker. Think about being Lazarus. Like, when's Jesus showing up, bro? I'm, I'm Like, you're one of my BFFs. Like, where are you at? Like, and he gets sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And then he dies. His family grieves. Then he gets buried for four days. He's now in glory in heaven. He's like, oh, I get it now. That's cool, Jesus. And then Jesus is like, yeah, I need you to come back. 
That's where he got the raw deal. That's the raw deal. Coming back, not dying. <clears throat> he got the raw deal and very difficult. His, his family got the raw deal when he died. The emotions, he got the raw deal when he got brought back. But you got to imagine like the emotions that he had in die in, in, in that process. Being six, oh yeah, that's true. Being sick is being sick is terrible. And then you die. You got to do now, it again. Now, now you're in you're in glory. Gotta you got to die again. <laughs> that man died three times in not real life to to the Lord, and then again. Not only he's the only guy that died in heaven. He came back to earth. <laughs> He died on earth, ended up in heaven. And then can you imagine Lazarus is walking around, hanging out with the great saints of old. And then all of a sudden this voice comes from the cloud, uh, uh, calling Lazarus back. And everyone's like, cause that has it. Like, that's not normal. And Lazarus is like, Oh no, boom. You know, he goes down <laughs> back to earth. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then he weigh, and then Jesus doesn't even unwrap him. <laughs> the, the poor guy's got to hobble out of the grave, you know? And then we're told that they, the, the religious people wanted to kill him. <laughs> kill Jesus? Or no, no, they Lazarus. wanted to kill Lazarus. <laughs> and then they kill Jesus. And Lazarus is like, what in the world? But again, if, if it's about you. Now, getting back to trauma for a second. Oh, that's right. That's where we were. Where everything trauma. happens for a reason. It'll be trauma. Fun. You know, I uh, there's a really interesting set of studies that have been done about, like for example, um, Nick and Nick and I had a, had a moment a couple weeks ago. Um, I said something stupid and hurt Nick's feelings. I, I was just I was an idiot. I said something that hurt his feelings and, and I stepped on his toes and it was not right of me. And, and he was upset about it. I knew he was upset about it. So I go to Nick and, and Nick's like, I, I understand what happened. It's okay. And I'm like, but it's not okay. Cause I, I hurt you. I can see that you're hurting. And I caused, I caused that hurt. And, and that bums me out. And we're standing here looking at each other, talking to each other. And it's like, you can talk until you're, you're, you're dead. But I just grabbed Nick and gave him a big old hug. And we stood there and embraced. Like it was a scene out of the notebook. <laughs> but we embraced. And, 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 and in that embrace, something happens. Like, for example, think about this. There are times when, man, you, you've just gone through the manure. And... You're, you're pissed off at the world. You're hurting inside. You don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's written all over your face. People that know you, that love you, can see it. And you don't want help. You're stubborn. You're in it. And someone just comes up to you. Could be your mother. Could be just a friend. Could just be somebody at church. And they just embrace you. You don't say a word. They just grab you. And in that moment, something happens. So there's been studies done about the power, the importance of human touch. And that for somebody that's hurting, that there is an actual sociological, biological, I don't know how, what you want to call it, 
But there's a real thing that happens in a person when they're hugged <clears throat> that literally within the brain, <coughs> what's articulated is you're not in it alone. Which is why you get the emotion you do. Which is why in that moment, like, Nick, I hurt you. I can say I'm sorry, but I'm going to grab you. And there was a, a moment. Like, you, you think back to your own life. Like, like times where you're at a funeral or you get terrible news. Creighton. Creighton walks up to my driveway. His best friend has just died. He don't know what to say. And to be honest, I got no idea what to say either. That yeah, was a rough one. And what do we do? Hugged. I just grabbed you in the driveway. And we stood there for maybe five minutes, bawling. But in that moment, what's articulated? You're not alone. You don't have to carry it alone. There's other people to shoulder the burden. You know, you're not by yourself. Well, my point bringing this up, one of the main reasons that tonight there was no way I was not doing the Outlaw Radio Show is that I need my brothers. On a night like tonight where there's a lot of emotion, and a lot of weird feelings and a lot of things I can't verbalize. I need my brothers. Like, don't, don't underestimate. If you're the person dealing with trauma, and they say this, one of the biggest things with veterans that deal with PTSD and, and die, commit suicide, <clears throat> they get isolated, they get alone. And they don't have brothers anymore. Sometimes when you're going through it, you want to be alone. <clears throat> Not realizing that you don't need to be. And if you're in trauma, if you're going through trauma, I have a few friends that have lost parents. And I've got in my calendar reminders of the day. So that I will call. <laughs> say, you're not alone, man. I love you. I had a buddy. His father died. It was a couple of years ago. <clears throat> Devastating. Lived in Florida. My friend lived here. His dad lived in Florida. And so he went down to the funeral. And I woke up. It was the day before the funeral. <clears throat> I woke up that morning and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you need to be there. Like an eight-hour drive to Florida. I don't know where I'm going to stay, or but I, I walked into the kitchen. I said, "Jess, I got to drive to Florida. Like now, I got to leave." <laughs> She's like, "Why are you going to Florida?" And I was like, "Well, this is why I got to go." She was like, "Well, the Lord's telling you, you need to go to Florida." So I went to Florida. Drove to Florida. Called the, my friend on the way. Said, "Hey, man, I'm. You didn't ask me to." You don't have to see me. Don't. I just want you to know I'm, I'm coming. I'm on the way, coming down. I'm just going to be there if there's anything that you need. He was like, "Well, hey, come over to my mom's house. You know, the family's gathering." Man, I went to the mom, the mom's house, and, and I said hello. It's some pleasantries. I, it was I was appreciated. I was there. <clears throat> I left like I have no idea why I'm here. Like Lord, I have no idea why I'm here. Other than you told me to come, but you didn't. Th this was not it. <laughs> So that night, I, one of the pastors at the church put me up in his house and took me out. We got some seafood. <clears throat> and I was talking to him. He goes, you're here. You're here. That's, that's all that matters. You're here. 
I was like, well, I appreciate that, Joe, but I still don't know why I'm here. Well, that next morning, the morning of the funeral, I get up early. And Joe's like, hey, you want to go over to the church, you know, early? And I was like, yeah, man, I got nothing to do. I'll help set up, you know, put some chairs up. I got no idea why I'm here. So I get over to the church, help set up some chairs, get some, you know, this, that, and the other. And I happen to walk up to the front entryway the very moment that my buddy gets out of his car and is walking to the church building. And he's upset and he's crying and he's grieved. And I walked out the door and and he saw me and I gave him a hug. I said, what's going on? And (laughs) he couldn't tie a tie. His dad always tied the tie and he couldn't tie the tie. And that had sent him on this just emotional, who's going to tie my tie? And I was like, this is why I drove eight hours. I'm here to tie your tie. And so we walked into the bathroom and I put that thing. Oh, I, I had to tie it on myself first, you know, because tying it on somebody else is hard. But I put it on, I straightened it up. I said, like, it's like, I'm, it's not as good as the way your dad did it, I'm sure. But here's your tie. And I stayed for the funeral and I drove home. So if you're in trauma, don't be alone. Mm. Surround yourself with people. Just surround yourself with people. And on the flip side to it, if you know someone that's going through trauma, don't let the person be alone. It can be a phone call or just show up. Just don't let them be alone. And touch them. Hug them. Articulate. You're not in it by yourself. Whatever that trauma might be. And we have trauma in all different kinds of ways. From relationships to sicknesses to lost loved ones. Man, we go through trials. Everybody does. So I just kind of wanted to make tonight's episode about trauma. Because it's pretty relevant to me right now. Any any thoughts you guys have before we get to our topic? What if you're not a hugger? You know what? Embrace Become one. I, I, I'm not a hugger. I'm Become one. But if you need a hug, I will hug you. Me too. I'm the same way. Become one. What? But I don't get comfort, comforted, comforted by well, hugs. Well, okay. Certain people. Well, first... <laughs> You're a very large individual. Yes. So hugs are very awkward for you. They are. No one really knows where to grab. Right. Have you never seen a teddy bear before? No, but still, that teddy bear is just, you just don't know where to go. Do it. You know, the most awkward hugs. I'm a tall fatty, so it's a weird combination. The most, (laughs) the most awkward hugs for me are when you, when you go high, but they go high. And everything is high on me. Yeah. (laughs) Though it's also awkward. It's also awkward is when you go. High on a girl who goes low, you know, they should, they're supposed to go low and you go high, but they also try to go high, but they're smaller than you. So it's like this awkward, like never had that problem. It's, it's, you know what I mean? I, I just, I know what you mean. Okay, it looks like, it's weird. Like a crab. It's just, yeah. It's like a crab. What it's about like the, what about the, you go in for the one arm and, and they go too and it, and then and you then have you to kind of like wiggle that other and arm. And you're like around. reaching yeah. across for like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah one arm <laughs> hug moment. <laughs> That's a weird one. No, I'll take you know what? They just get in the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying that there is, 
It's one thing to say to somebody, I love you and I'm here for you. And then there's another thing to put your arm around somebody. Maybe it's not a hug, but you put your arm around somebody and say, I, I'm here. Like, I love you. Jesus loves you. I, I don't know. I, mean, I read this study. This was some years ago. <clears throat> I think I was teaching through Mark. And as a pastor, it was just like, you know, we live in a very weird time where it's like, you don't touch people. And like, I get that. Like, don't touch people the wrong way. Um, but that doesn't mean that you know, like hum, humans are made for touch. We're, we're, we're relational beings. We, we express ourselves. It's why, like, you're very excited that Georgia win. Georgia kick, you know, they missed the field goal. Georgia wins <clears throat> against Ohio State. And, and we're all excited in the living room. And how do we express that? Communally. We're like, we're giving each other high fives. There's touching involved. <coughs> There's something about a human touch that connects my emotion and your emotion. You're at a Braves game, man. You give it high fives to f- strangers. Why you're all sharing the experience. There's something, there's something about it. And I'm just saying that like, as a pastor, I've just learned when someone comes up and, and wants prayer, I could stand there and pray for them. And that, and that be it. But even if I just put my, my, my hand on theirs, I always just try to, to make some physical contact. Because, you know, there's some people, some people go a long time without physical touch. People that are single, alone, widowed. You know, I, I can think of a few little old ladies in our church that, like, where or when, or what context are they being physically touched by anybody? It's not at home. At the grocery store, that's odd. <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, really think mm-hmm. about that. Like, like mm-hmm. we identify, we connect. There's something about it. That's not the whole point of the episode. For me, you know, we talk about Ebenezer's. When Ebenezer, when you, when you went back into the Old Testament, <clears throat> when God would do something amazing, he would command the people to pile up some stones. That's what the word Ebenezer means, stones of remembrance. The idea was that they had these piles of stones all across the land that they could look back to when faced with some challenge, when they needed a step of faith. They could look back to past victories, times when God intervened and acted in a real way, and that was to give them what they needed to move forward and trust. You were faithful then, you can be faithful now. And so I think when you're dealing with trauma, there is time. Hey, man, there is time. When you know you should, you know, going back to what you said, Nick, earlier, you know, sometimes you do just need to back away from it. You know, it's just like, yeah, I don't have it right now. Like, for us, we went to the beach for a week. We, we ran from it. We ran. That's fine. Year one, you know. But you can't run from it indefinitely. And there's a point that you got to address it, and you got to endure it. And that's part of the healing process. That's what I've been telling Jessica. It's like, this is part. I was like, the struggle of the next two months, two and a half months, this will be part of... You know, I've, I've been going through therapy to get my dexterity, my fingers back. Um, going through the one-year anniversary of things, I think there's something about um, the emotional therapy of that. And like, Lord, okay. It's, it's going to be weird. After that, I have no memories of January 5th. 
of 2022. We're sixth. None whatsoever. So it's going to be odd. But I'm going to endure it. And I know I'm not alone in it. And Jessica knows she's not alone in it. We, we got a family. And I would just say for anybody watching, man, going through stuff. Everybody's going through stuff. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. And if you know somebody going through stuff, stuff don't let them be alone. <laughs> Does that kind of summarize it, I think, as best mm -hmm. as I can? Yeah. Craig, uh, do we have any, any comments or any, any interaction? We do. I want to add one more thing. Yeah. Um, if you don't know how not to be alone, find a small church, go there, and I promise you, you won't be able to be alone. People will come up to you, that. whether you want them to or not, and just tell them that you're hurting, and they will be there for you. I, just I, think, that, that, I think that's really great advice. I'm going to get it back is. to that. Justin. I just saw a study on, I think it's about 80 to 90% of churches now are, are small churches, like community Which is churches. awesome. It's like 92% are 250 yeah. people and under. Right. Wow. The, the mega church, mega churches still have the higher number of people attending, but yeah. as far as the number of churches... 250 and less is overwhelmingly the majority of churches in America. It's good. Which I think is a very healthy thing. I think you're going to see that trend increase because I think we're at the, the precipice of really watching the complete collapse mm -hmm. of the mega church. And I think it's a good thing, uh, which might be a topic we can talk, talk about another day. But I think you're right, Creighton. <clears throat> Some, sometimes the appeal of a big church is you can go and be anonymous. Mm-hmm. You go to a big church, man, you can go and never see the same people. You know, if, if, if everybody goes to church one out of four Sundays, you have an 8% chance of seeing anybody. And when there's 3,000 people there. Good luck. But it allows you to go to church to feel good about yourself that you went to church, but never really connect with anyone. <clears throat> Very difficult to do if you go to a smaller church. So very from a very practical angle, hey, there's a lot of things that a bigger church can offer, from counseling to facilities, child to services. There's like, a lot of things it. that big churches can offer. Uh, but the one thing that they struggle with is community. You know, the best that they can do is like, hey, welcome to church. If you really want to know someone, now you need to go to somebody's house, uh, mm -hmm. which is now... <laughs> I don't want to go to someone's house. That's a whole lot of that's a whole emotional burden if you're yeah. introverted, especially. <laughs> yeah, especially. And especially if you're hurting. Mm -hmm. But if you find a small church and you walk in, you, you're not going to be anonymous. Uh, let me say this. If you go to a small church and no one talks to you, don't go back. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. terrible small church. <laughs> it's not going to be there very long. Um, if you're looking for a small church in your local, check out Calvary 316. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We'll talk to you. Good tag. Yeah, we'll talk to you. You might not like what we have to say, probably or our not. personality. You're We're probably crazy. not listening to this anyways if you don't And like Justin walks over to try to give you a hug, and you're like, oh, I'm out of here. That will not happen <laughs> unless you specifically ask me to, then I will. <laughs> I like that you'll acquiesce. It's because I, I don't see – you have to tell me to do stuff like that, or else I, I'm just not going to know. Anybody it. and everybody watching that goes to Calvary 316 or listening – on Sunday or at some Sunday, Please you need don't. to go up to go up to Justin <laughs> and ask for a hug. 
Please this don't. needs to be a church-wide movement. You know how we were talking about PTSD? And <laughs> no, this is <laughs> you, but this you won't will, be alone. This will trigger that. But you won't be alone. Well, you're gonna, need a, you're yeah. gonna need a baby gate on the sound oh, booth just wait. to keep people out. <laughs> no, just wait, Quincy, Theodore. You're getting that, you're getting my whole family on Sunday. I will accept <laughs> firm handshakes and high fives. Though. Hugs? No hugs. Hugs. I'm, I'm, Anything less than a hug, not acceptable. You said we had a few comments. Yes, we do. Uh, from some longtime listeners, um, uh, Miss Ann says hello to everyone. So hello. everyone say hello. hello. Um, Colette posted a, a scripture. She said Second Corinthians ten five. Put on the mind and armor of God, which I think is a great. Yes, uh, absolutely. That's a woman that's gone through trauma. She knows what she's talking about. Um, a Kathy with a K. Yeah, um, I'm aware says, of her. Hugs to all you men. Which I think she means us specifically, men. Um, and then um, <laughs> I don't think the men of the world. Yeah, <laughs> all the men in the world. Hugs to the men. Yeah. Yes. To the troops. Um, and then Rachel sends prayer hands, like the emoji. Stay blessed. Stay yeah. I don't know. Uh, stay blessed. Is that what the? Sure. I don't know. Oh. I use that for like I'm praying for you. I think uh, that's the same thing as stay blessed. Stay blessed. Huh. But yeah, that's it. That's yeah, about it. Know. All right, right on. That was a high five. That was a good. That was a good episode uh, of my topic <laughs> that I put together for today. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Great. Anything else before we bounce? I'm good. I think I made it. I made it through the episode. Ooh, Let's close almost. the episode before that changes. <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, we live stream Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Outlawradio.live is our YouTube channel. Facebook slash the Radio Outlaw. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, if you are uh, watching, check out the podcast. Podcasts available on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, anywhere that you get your podcasting. Uh, typically posts either Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, the audio from tonight's show. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Happy New Year. We're excited about the year, what the Lord has in store for us. And pray, please pray, that my voice gets a little stronger before Sunday. God bless. <laughs>